Good morning. We will not be having Shir next Sunday morning. And after that, we hope to continue. You have two Marmachemists in front of you. We were discussing the Aaron and where it went. Yeshio HaMelech hit it due to his foresight. And the first thing it's Kedai to keep in mind before we see the Pasuk in Divrei is that Yeshio deserves a tremendous amount of credit for a lot of things he did. I find this particular decision particularly fascinating because it was painful. You can be sure it was the subject of much debate. Imagine putting the urn, hiding it. Imagine what type of opposition that triggered. And the particular Nisayan, I think, for the young Yeshio Amelech was that the mind can play tricks on you. And that is that you think you're doing well, which he was, and you think you're accomplishing, which he was, and you feel that you're turning things around, which to a certain degree he was, you can also come to the conclusion that, well, I turned it around already. So we're avoiding the Chorban. Things are going fantastic, and we're only going up from here. Why bother hiding the errand? That wouldn't have been, had he announced that, he wouldn't have made an announcement that he's not putting it away because he just wouldn't put it away. But you wouldn't fault him for not doing anything proactive to be able to maybe bavarn what's going to happen if the Bavlim come in to destroy the base of Shalom. They find the iron, it could be disastrous. Who's talking about Bavlim coming in? Why would they be coming in? They're not going to be a Chorban. Everything's fine. Would that have been so out of line? So we take pride in what we do, which is good, but the problem is when you take too much pride and you take out of context exactly what you're accomplishing, it's a very, very difficult balance. The Yitzhahara wants to convince us all day that we're not accomplishing, so that we have yish and we start doing what we're doing. And you can't give in to that. And then sometimes the Yitzhahara wants to convince us that we've accomplished so much, there's not much more to do, and there's nothing to worry about, and don't make plans for things that won't happen, even though sometimes you have to make plans for things that might happen. So, the rest you have to figure out. But the, uh, it often presents itself in life, and it's a very difficult decision. You could be sure that he had enough haskamas for this very bold and controversial move before he did it. It doesn't mean it was easy, and doesn't mean that he didn't hear about it. Now let's see where the Pusik actually reports it. Not very befavorish. You'd think a move like this is probably the most significant historical move in terms of taking a treasure of Kali Yisrael and making it disappear for the time being. And the Pusik in Divrei Yamin gives us a remez. There's nothing in Malachim. So, Haladevrahu, why is that? The answer is these things sometimes have to be done quietly. It was done quietly then very quietly, reported under the radar, and even historically, somewhat of a debate, where is it now? Remember, I mentioned that it seems to be in Machleg, is it above all or under the, uh, way under Harabayas somewhere? Some say it depends on which Aaron, with there two Aaron's, one Aaron. Lamaisa, we seem to hold that this is what happened, and it's hidden somewhere there, and perhaps... The good news is our cousins won't let us look 
even if we wanted to, and we shouldn't want to. So maybe it's good for this particular time that they wouldn't let us look anyway. Because can you imagine a project like that? What a debate that would be. And it's, uh, it's not necessary if the gula is not here yet. Well, that itself, many are still debating. Um, the gula, not. But it, it wouldn't be a good idea. So sometimes the Kodesh Baruch Hu prevents us from looking for things and getting involved in projects that aren't good for us, even though on the face of it is being prevented by uh, political enemies, mortal enemies. It doesn't make a difference. It's not Ratzon Hashem at the moment. Pasuk Gimel, the front page, Divrei Yamabez, Paraglamid. Hey, Pasuk Gimel. Vayemer Lalavim Hamevinim. Already is a Rambis. Korean Exiv, the word Mevinim. Mevinim, what's a Maven? Maven is somebody who understands what you're really telling him, even though you're not going to advertise it. So you already know something's going on. Talking about psukim that say one thing and mean another thing, this is a classic. Now, if you wouldn't have had my Agdama just now, you read the Pasuk, what does it say? Told Levim to put the Aaron in the house which Shlomo built. Which house did Shlomo build? The Besamitish. It sounds like he's telling him, put it in the Kesh Of course, that doesn't make much sense if you think about it, because it was in the Kedosh HaKadoshim already. Why would he be telling the Levim to put it in the Kedosh HaKadoshim? The answer is that's not what he's telling him. That's what the, perhaps the front page said, if anybody was listening to this conversation. Also, if you're trying to read the Pashup Shat, it sounds very extraneous. You don't have any work to do by carrying the Kli Mikdash around. Well, it's been a long, long time to the Levim, since Levim had any work to do carrying that. How long? <laughs> they were in the Midbar. Levim, they took down the Mishka and they took it up. They, they carried it. They had poles. It's been a long, okay, they also brought it up. They had to bring the Aaron back. It had a few exiles. Okay. It's been a long, long time. A very strange statement to make, unless you understand what the conversation really was. Now I'm giving you a different job. So what did he tell them? What was the different job? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is always to give you Pshuta Shomikra. Well, Divrei Yamim, that's sometimes difficult to figure out. Rashi says, so there is a Pashup shot. Rashi tells you that first, is that unfortunately there have been many bad years, unstable years, where Malachim Rishayim Taka moved it and replaced it with an Avodazar. Like Manasha, his grandfather, and Amun, his father. And now he's going to restore things to where they're supposed to be. Why were they? Why wouldn't they destroy? Why, why, why they destroy? That crazy they weren't. <laughs> uh, that's the short answer. <laughs> Even if uh, they were sham, okay, Manasha did chuva of sorts. Amun didn't live long enough, which is fortunate for him. And picture, I don't even want to compare because Manasha was Manasha and we don't want to have nightmares. And uh, these people knew Akash Baruch, which made matters better or worse. But even 
the biggest Russia of today, who are not nearly the Madrega for good or for bad, they don't make tzaddikim the way they used to, they don't make Rosham the way they used to, and even on our low Madrega, pick a name, which you don't have to, but think of a name. They wouldn't, if they had access to the Aaron, they wouldn't be putting it away or destroying it or losing it. They'd be putting it in the Israeli Museum, Rahman Litzlan. They wouldn't be losing it. Pick the, uh, anybody who's the, the furthest from whatever we consider having a shaykh as to Yiddishkeit, but if he still considers himself Jewish, as bad as they were, Manasseh was very Jewish. Amman was still very, he was the king of the Jews. If you have any attachment to so that's the built-in problem today with the secular leaders of state is that the built-in problem is as far as they are from Judaism, if you don't have any attachment to Judaism, you have no claim to, to the territory. So how are you going to fight the political fight against the Palestinians and, and the UN? And What are you going to say? That's a problem for them. But what's your claim? What's that over here, the story in the Yom Kippur War, where there was a uh, not-yet-from soldier who was one of the guards for the POWs, of the Egyptians that they caught, toward the end of the war, and uh, Kedarkam, they were having a fiery, fiery political debate. I would say, why are you debating the POWs? They were talking. You know, they have a guy watching a lot of Egyptian soldiers, and uh, either he knew Egyptian or they knew uh, Hebrew, whatever the case was, and they were arguing, and the Egyptian POW said to him, I don't understand. You guys are telling the whole world and telling us and fighting wars that the land is yours, and your proof is you look in the Chumash, and it says the land was promised by God to the Jewish people. And it's very, very bizarre because you look in the Chumash and all the other Pesukim you seem to ignore. So how do you cut it in half and quarters and tenths? Take one or two Pesukim, more than one or two. Uh, it keeps promising and promising and promising to Abmavinu and to Klaisol and the Midbar and you went in, Yeshua Benun, you go through all the Tanakh and you just lift off the page the Pesukim you like. And all the other psukim about Shabbos and Kasher and everything else, that you ignore. Either it's real or it's not real. You know, this POW had a schus, he made a Baal Tshuva. Either you take off uniform and quit the army, or you get with the program, which is what this POW, probably it was Elio Anavi, uh, was trying to tell him. Because you can't pick and choose. Either it's real or it's not real. So. Menashe, deep down, well, he did tshuva, understood this is a very important, the most important item Klai Yisrael would ever want to hold on to, and he's not destroying it. So I don't even think it was a Havamina. But before he did tshuva, he's like, this, uh, this is just, you believe it, you don't believe it. He didn't believe it. Right. So he carefully, I guarantee you, very carefully took it out and told the people moving it, just be very careful, don't drop it. I have to imagine that was the conversation. Put it somewhere else. My agenda here is of a Rahman Put it somewhere else. I'm taking over the Mikdish. Put it somewhere else. But be very careful and let me know where you put it. I can't imagine the conversation was any different. Sounds strange to us, right? Either if you don't believe, so then, uh, like you say, so get rid of it, destroy it. He wasn't willing to do it. I don't think it was a Havmina. We're going to have yet to come, you know, Yokim, some pretty bad things going on, atrocities for other Malchi Yehuda. Um, Yashio understood the Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't be so from. 
Uh, he's going to capture it. That we don't want. But had it still been around, they also wouldn't destroy it. Because then you have no, then you're king of the Jews in which form. Now, again, you, if you really want to be an Epicurus, you can argue, yeah, I'm the king of the Jews. We're a political state. We're a nationality. We're not, all that's been used. I don't think, pick your uh, Jewish communists. I don't think they would have destroyed it. Just too valuable. And whatever the value is to you, they're not destroying it. And it wasn't destroyed, but it was put out of the base of Mikdash, and now he's bringing it back. That's the push-up shop. So, Pashup Shat, he's telling them to bring it back. Of course, as I mentioned, the Korean Lixiv, Mevinim, what do you have to be a Maven? It's like kind of straight away, simple. The answer is there's something else going on over here. And it could be, by the way, the Pashup Shat was he brought it back, and then as he got into his reign, when he realized he was humble enough, great enough and humble enough to realize that he's accomplishing a lot and he's turning things around, and yet humble enough to realize that some reason this is not going to work. It's going to work to keep the critical mass of Klai Yisrael going. As we explained by Chizkiyo and his interesting answer, as long as it doesn't happen in my time, I have more time to work on Klai Yisrael. And humble enough to understand that there's still going to be a Chorban. And therefore, he's not letting it fall into the hands of the Bavliyam. <speaking in Hebrew> What he's referring to in the house of Shlomo is not the base of Mitzvah and the Kashgadash to bring him back, although that's probably what he said first. He's now referring to the fact that Shlomo Melech, Bechach Masai, also saw a Chorban coming. Interestingly enough, the Gemara Sanhedrin says that the night before Shlomo Melech opened the base of Mitzvah, after years of building, he had married Bathparo, L'Shem Shemayim. Wasn't a great idea. We found that out afterwards. He didn't realize it at the time. And she made sure he would miss the opening ceremonies and he woke up late. The only person in Klaisal who could knock on the door and not be uh, tried for treason in Marie de Mamalchus was his mother. Always good to have a nice Jewish mother who's a Sadekis. No matter what's going on, she'll make sure you uh, wake up and smell the coffee. And she woke him up. Nobody else wanted to walk in. The keys were under his pillows, if you remember. And... Uh, she woke him up, and they were running late already, and she gave him some serious musr. Uh, he still stayed married to Bas Paro, which in hindsight was a mistake, but the reason he married her is to get the Shver to come and recognize Malchus Shemayim and uh, bring everybody under the banner of Akash Baruch and bring the Mashiach. But Lamaisa didn't work, and he understood that this Mikdash is not going to last. And the Gemara says that when he married Bas Paro, Gavriel already took a stick drove it into the ground right off the coast somewhere near Rome, and it jutted out, and a lot of dirt started forming around that stick, and that's the, uh, my shot, I think it's obvious in the Gemara, that's the boot sticking out, and, or the heel of the boot sticking out in Rome, and the remez over here is that Rome that's going to destroy the second base of Mikdash is already gaining traction because the Averis and the mistakes done at the beginning of the Binyan Abayas. And Shlomo Melech, deep down, understood it's not going to last, and he built a very complex maze of caves and passageways deep underneath Harabayis so that when the time comes, you have to make that fateful decision to hide it. They'll have a place to go, and no one's going to find it. 
And apparently there was a Maseira, and Yoshio knew it was there, and he told the Levian, you know those complicated passageways we never look through? Well, go through the tunnels now and make sure you hide it very well. So even when they make tunnels and give us tunnel tours in the uh, 20th century and 21st century Limitsparum, in the modern times, they're still not going to find it. Although I'm sure they'd be happy to look. As I mentioned, it's a good thing we don't have access that much access. And that's what he's telling the Levine to do. Somebody should know where it is. Well, does anybody know where it is? Eliel and Navi's going to know where it is. That's why we have Eliel and Navi. It's somewhere beneath and it's a, we, every time we dig, it, we, we, we see the uh, tip of the tip of the iceberg of how complicated Harabayas is. There's a lot going on under there. It's, it's, it's in the little we know. There are tunnels and tunnels and tunnels on Agabe tunnels and Shlomo Melch built it all, Bechach Masai, and Yeshiel now is going to use it. So apparently he had a Messiah that it was here, and rightfully so. Why would Shlomo Melch prepare this without giving it over to somebody that it's there in case you need it? Tzitkiel HaMelech will build and have access to the tunnels and try to run through them to escape, but that's not going to work. Those tunnels weren't as deep. Yes? No. No, and the reason is, good question, the reason is because they knew when they came back from Bayashani that they're not going to have Nevuah, the Urmatum are not going to work, they're going to be warm because it's part of the Shemar Bagadim, and the Urmatum is not going to be there. They knew they were missing all these pieces of Siat Deshmaya. They knew that a mitzvah to build the Beis HaMittish anyway, which they did, and as we mentioned, I think, two weeks ago, Rabbi Yankov says the Beis HaMittish Shniya was a continuation of Golos, Mokhor, and Bayashrishon, and they were just there to gain whatever they can gain for another, it was a big gain for 400 years. We had Hanukkah from that, by the way. Uh, that was during Bayashani, and uh, we needed it as the uh, chizik for Klai Yisrael to be able to survive the long gullus afterwards. But they knew it wasn't the same, and they knew it wouldn't last. That they knew for sure. That was more, more well-known. And it lasted for um, four centuries. Plus, that's pretty good. But they knew they were missing things. What? Somebody found what by mistake? Clay and we find all the time. They just found something recently. With, uh, they didn't find the Aaron. The Mishnah says that. The Mishnah says before, long before, oh, for the boss, the Mishnah says they found the tile out of place and he picked it up and he saw a chain leading to somewhere and he didn't survive to tell the story. And he wasn't trying to do something wrong. But they found him not alive and they found the tile off, and the next kind was smart enough. Today, we would have had the reporters there with the cameras, and a big crane started to dig, and then nobody would have survived that whole experience. He was smart enough to say, he's not alive, young and healthy, there's a tile out of place. I'm not sure what's going on over here, but I have an inkling. Maybe I'll put the tile back and make sure it's nice and even so nobody finds it again. And that's what he did. Can you imagine the godless? We would have had a big Yetzirah, Yetzirah type, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, but, uh, a yetzer, curiosity to look for it. We would not put that tile back and have it missing, and that's exactly what he did. People were smart then. What? A kind, the next kind who found him dead. He realized. Well, probably realized he didn't want to be not alive either. That's the first thing. <laughs> smart move number one, and number two, he realized what happened very quickly. A young guy. He's lying there motionless, and there's a tile out of place. Put to, and you know the Messiah, and you learned Navi and Divrei Yamin. 
it's Kadai already. That was all just to learn Divrayam, to learn the Sugya. If you're ever visiting, you find something out of place, call me first. <laughs> I might have some sound advice. Even if you're in the tunnel tour and the tour guide tells you this is where it is and we just haven't gotten in yet, but we're working on it. Um, don't go on the next tour. It's not Kadai. So I'm not sure what that story is, but you can share it with me afterwards or later on today. Chavaz Chaim was in Rodden, never meditates at all, much to his chagrin. Okay, I don't know. You have to tell me about it because it sounds very much like the Mishnah. And I'd be happy, yeah, I'd be happy to read the letter, but I'm probably not going to investigate further because I'd like to be here for Shia the week after. Uh, so, um, but you'll share with me. I'd like to hear it. Yes, I saw a hand. What philosophically is the problem of seeing the arm before Mashiach? Uh, we don't have a big, I don't, it's not an Isser. Uh, it's if the urn is found and it's ready to go, it's very mistaber that it will be found at such time, revealed at such time that we are allowed to build the base of Mikdash. It doesn't help us to have it without the base of Mikdash. It's part of the clean Mikdash and belongs to the Kajudash. It doesn't help you to have it. What are you, you going to do with it? It's not a magical thing. It can only cause harm. We see from when Dovin Amalek was moving it, one blink of an eye, and it's a, people die. It's not a. Not a lot per se. It's a general concept. You have to be very careful with Klimik dish, certainly the urn. And uh, the Navi is full of reports. When they moved it, they didn't give it enough covet and people died. So not something you want to start up with. And, and the, on the positive side, when they put it uh, after that for a number of months, uh, the person who was nice enough to house it had many, many children and boys, tremendous bracha. That was to show that it's not just here for damage, it's just very, very, very important. There's a lot of Kedusha, and uh, we were discussing last night, did they ever look at it? And what was Chizkiah's mistake of, discussed it this year, a few months ago, what was Chizkiah's mistake in showing the delegation from Bovo? And he said, whatever you want to show them, you don't have to show them the Kedushim and Aaron. Shouldn't have done it. It's too, uh, too important and too sensitive, even though he did it for the Kiddush Shem Shemayim Shabbat, and as a veiled threat that this is what we fight battles with and we win. Okay. He had Cheshben, Islam I said, wasn't a good idea in hindsight. Yes? We, we see the concept clearly when the Kohen Gadol were out all by Yisrishan. They never, many didn't, when he went Yes, there, many didn't make it. So that was, what? that was by Shem. That was by yeah. yeah. Sorry, by I, I'm saying it wasn't even there, but it was the Mokham where it should be. The Kiddush Shem Shabbat, yeah. Yeah, you see that just a bad thought. Right, 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 right. And the fact that they went in, they, you know, it's a, it's, it's a sad joke. Uh, if you'd ask them, they'd say, if it wasn't for the cover, they'd forgo the honor. What, <laughs> like, why would you go in? All your friends never made it. Yeah, it's just to become kind of get, get a chance that each one thought that I'm going to be better. That's, that's also a lesson. Okay, so Rashi says, Lamaisa, the drash here is that uh, they were being told, sort of a top secret operation, which... The masses wouldn't know about it, and the Kain Gadol wouldn't even know. The Kain Gadol here was a, was a very big tzaddik. I'm sure they told him, but you wouldn't necessarily find out till the next Yom Kippur. Ein l'chamasa, next Rashi. Ein l'chamasa b'kasev. Rashi says, this is point number two. Zutayna cheresit, chiles miluhu. Sha'amalahem, ein l'chem shum terech masa b'kasev, kol kli beis Hashem. You have nothing to do in this department. Quite the first shot in Rashi, they'll bring it back. Okay, you brought it back, now it's back. Now you don't have to carry anything around anymore. You can't tell that we're too busy. 
Why would they tell him that? For what he's asked them for right now. Lafichach me'ata, from here on in. Ivdu es Hashem elokeichem bishir. Leviim have to, besides opening and closing gates, and general help, they have the choir and the band. That's Ami Yisrael. Interesting. He gave them, this is not strictly part of the job description of a levy, but apparently there weren't that many good people around, and he's revitalizing the Aveda and the Mikdash, and he wants to have good people involved and needs them. So you're going to be in the service of Akash Baruch Hu by being in the choir. Very interesting. We have a very large, complex operation coming. It's called Carbon Pesach for Klai Yisrael. Wondering why is that so complex? Done it many times before. Apparently, they've done it many times before, not as many as we would like, because it's been a long time since they had a massive gathering of people for the Carbon Pesach, and there weren't that many talented people who knew the dinim. So he called Levim that were from, and he said, okay, all hands on deck, and we're drafting you for the direct avoda of you can use Yisrael for that. I'm sure he asked them for help also. Levim were, by definition, always more learned, and they're around anyway for helping of the avoda. I'm now taking you for something that you don't necessarily have to be a levy to do. Shechita and Havshotas Peschayim. Havshit Tuach, you gotta know how to handle the animal and bring the carbon at top speed. You only have a few hours to do it. And if you learn the Mishnayas and Pesachim, and the Gemara is there, of the process, uh, the good times when you had hundreds of thousands and millions of people there, you had to have an assembly line, so to speak, and you had to do it with precision and speed, and you had to have people who were willing to do it. So he's drafting them, and he's gonna prepare them for the Pesach that he will do. Pesach he will do is legendary because he will taka cause tremendous shuva and fix up the mikdash, bring them back, and he will have a Pesach as the Pesach will describe that they hadn't had in a very, very long time. Bad news is they didn't have it in a very long time. The good news is he's getting everybody to be involved and they will have one, Kidabai, as we will see. That's number one. Go to the next copy. One time they pelted him with their esregim. He didn't survive. The Mizbeach didn't survive. They dented the Mizbeach. They were so angry. That's Kavaldik. Not Kavaldik. They dented the, the Mizbeach. It's Kavaldik that they did something about it. But you have to have a critical mass for that, and you have to have people in the mood to be from and Kanazdik. It happened then also. It's called the Chashmanaim. Very timely. But, and they were a small band, not just small compared to the Greeks, small compared to the Mizyavnim, as we discussed on Shabbos. And... Uh, their bravery was they were not only fighting the Greeks, they had more on their hands of fighting the Mesiavnim. And many Jews didn't agree with what they were doing. They felt it was too Kanazdik, and the Greeks are not that bad, and they're, killing it. they're not killing us, and they're friendly, and they're nice, and they have culture, and art, and sports, and what's so bad? And they were willing to fight a major war for years on that point. So yes, the good news is we have Hanukkah. The other news is it took a long time, and even a couple generations later, the Chashmanan themselves, not the original Sadiqim, weren't that with the program. The, uh, the influence of the culture, we've had Mesiavnim in every generation, and it hasn't stopped yet, and we still have many of them. Uh, the uh, good news is now the Mesiavnim are just, they're militant, but they don't know Benjaminim and Smolim, so sometimes that's better. You could start from scratch and just give them a little Yiddish guy. Then they thought they knew, because they grew up from 
And they said, no, we can be orthodox and be very involved in the sports and the culture also. Matasiel said, not so. And we pass them like Matasiel, as we discussed on Shabbos. That's, that's the battle today. Take a look at the Rambam. Actually, don't take a look at the Rambam. We'll save the Rambam for next time. Take a look at the Peleates. It was put together by the Nevi'im, uh, I don't know if there's one, one particular author. Uh, the interesting thing is that, as what we saw before, many of what's put in Divrei Yamin, it's all Baruch HaKadosh, is missing either completely or is only Baremez in Malachim. And we need Divrei Yamin, that's why I keep copying it. We need Divrei Yamin to fill in what's going on. Because this Pusuk... Even Rashi here in Divrayam, is Shailiz at Rashi, but it's somebody very choshev. This pasuk over here, Krishna, is that single? This pasuk over here, Rashi gives you a pasuk shot, but if you don't read the end of Rashi, you're not going to realize that if the pasuk shot is here, he put it back. We're fine with that, but afterwards, we don't know exactly when. Sometime during his reign, which was not that short, but not that long he gave a quiet order to get rid of it. And that's not mentioned in Malachim. That's why I had to bring you Divrei Yaman. That's, I think, by design. There are a lot of things in Divrei that are not mentioned in Malachim, and you have to know what Divrei is, what angle Divrei is always telling us as opposed to the Navi had one objective. But the fact that this is not mentioned at all for the drasha in Malachim just tells you that whatever it was, he knew it wouldn't be popular, and he had to do it quietly. For the American mind here, you would say, well, that's not, is that fair? A king is just making a decision, a lateral decision, just by himself. And it wasn't by himself. He checked with the Kain Gadol, probably the Russian Sanhedrin, but he didn't tell the people. WikiLeaks wouldn't like that. So the answer is there are some things, I'm not saying they're always wrong, there are some things that have to be decided by somebody who knows what they're doing. And the masses shouldn't know about it because if they do, they wouldn't let it happen and they'd be wrong. That's an important lesson right there. Now, whether that's true of a democracy when people making decisions don't know much more than the people who aren't informed, okay. You can, you can debate that, argue about it. I think everybody's made the, this is an ongoing discussion, everybody's made the, there have to be certain things that you're not announcing to the public. How are you going to fight battles? How are you going to have espionage? And part of the debate is uh, where we put that marker. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting discussion because I, I would hope everybody's maida. No, is everybody maida? Even the, the uh, real extremists on the other side, that everything should be out in the open? Do they hold that anything could be a secret? So how do you fight a war? Well, that's why he's... <laughs> okay. That's a different discussion. We'll uh, move on to the Peleyes before we get so I, I can't have a king's got to be able to fight battles. <laughs> There's got to be uh, some military secrets, hence the name military secret. No? <laughs> That's where the expression comes from. See, so there shouldn't be a military, there shouldn't Globalism. be secrets. Globalism, okay. So um, certainly, Al Pialacha, Yeshio made a very brave decision, and there weren't too many people who knew about it. He told a select group of Levium to move it, and nobody was the wiser, and he was right. So, uh, yeah, WikiLeaks wouldn't, wouldn't appreciate that. Uh, we don't always appreciate them. Let's go to uh, the Peleyets. Kuf, Ayin, Hey. We were talking about being frugal, being generous, when to be frugal, when to be generous.
Page Kuf Ayan Hay. Vatronas. Vatronas means to be Michael on many levels. We have to be talking about money now, where to spend, where not to spend. We already covered. In the Tzibri, you have to have the balance of Ananias Makhnoshiris versus overspending and wasting. And now he's focused on the home. And his point last week was you got to be very careful not to make everybody at home too nervous with penny pinching at every juncture because you're not saving that much money and it's just making everybody uncomfortable. So penny pinching uh, refers to pennies. Uh, they're still minting pennies, I'm not sure. The discussion about whether to cancel them, whether not to cancel them. Uh, they stopped in Canada. So I think the, uh, the concept over here is that you have to uh, set the bar, Lafi Madre and what your budget is and how much money is around. And before you discuss whether we're not pinching pennies, not pinching quarters, dollars, $100 bills, so you have to know uh, where is Baltashchis and where it's not Baltashchis, you just have a little extra, uh, like the Arsa Degada, to show a little Rafchis and let everybody be a little calmer. And that's a personal decision, but just a warning against not going too far in either direction. The second to last paragraph, Say Lamad. Ma'asham Yushalmi. So you can't overdo it in the Frugal department. Now, don't uh, leave before he finishes paragraph. But he did just say that at a certain level, you can't pinch pennies to the degree to save penny, and a penny saves a penny earned. They still say that. That's an old expression. Or a dollar saves a dollar earned. And you're doing it for good reasons. You should be doing it. You should be saving money to be able to give more tztaka, be machzik more teirah. If you recall from the Hilchas Takashir, we're coming up to Baisvei so we might actually get to a little more being a night seder. But uh, it's pretty clear from the Chavetz Chaim and other Peskim, you're allowed to give more than a Chaimish for Yisachas Vulan, for Talmud Teirah, for Abatzah Teirah. Why is that? The Chavetz Chaim says, Pashit, Kiheim Chayena Ve'echem Enu. Teirah is everything, and if you don't have that attachment to Teirah, you're not going to have Olam Haba, and therefore that's for your own Ruchniyas. Are you allowed to spend more than a fifth going on vacation? We wouldn't advise it, but it's not Osir. For your Gashmias, you could spend more, so you can't spend more for your Ruchniyas. Just the din is, yeah, for an Esrik, this particular year, they're very expensive, so you don't have to spend more than a fifth. Or perhaps you shouldn't, Shema Ye'ani, shouldn't give stock up. To help somebody out, you gotta need money, you need money yourself, and we're worried you're gonna become an Ani. But for your own Ruchniyas and your attachment to Talmud Torah, your Achzakah's Torah, there's no limit. That's the Pashtas. With that said, Peliyetz warns that if you're Mitzamsim too much with your family by giving to others, even when you have a head to the do so, that could create too much tension, you gotta be careful. The Peliyetz lived at a time where uh, this meant you're going to be saving so much that you're serving every morning, every afternoon, every evening, pumpernickel bread and salt. And the family starts mumbling and grumbling, saying, can we have something else? No, this is how we save money. We've got to give more stock up. So that's very noble, but if they are going with sugar because they can't have pumpernickel bread, breakfast, lunch, and supper for 180 days straight, then you're doing the wrong thing. They have to survive the experience. Ah, they will survive. Pumpernickel bread happens to be very healthy. But you got to know what they're going to be able to handle. So everybody the fee, Madrigasai. 
that takes on a new level today because it sounds funny to us, but people have asked me about many times. They should be asking, how do you budget? What should I be using in my own, for my own assets and salaries, for my own ruchmius and for achzakas terah, abatzas and baruch Hashem, some people have a little more than just the pumpernickel bread menu, and they want to know, what do we use the extra for? And what they're asking is not pumpernickel bread versus a little cheese with it, some hummus and some omelets, it's how much do I spend on the house, another vacation, where are we going on vacation? It's not a question of a penny here, a penny there. It's a question of a thousand here and a thousand there. And the debate is still the same. The expectation is over here. And you say, what a waste of money. Why don't we just stay home? What do they call it? A staycation? Is that what they call it? Uh, sounds good to me. Sounds good to all of you also. But uh, men are sitting here and the women are listening and you're going to get it when you get home. Uh, <laughs> but... It's not the women's fault. They're not in the lower Andrega sometimes. I've had reverse discussions. It's actually interesting to hear where he wants to go to one particular couple. He wants to go to Switzerland and the French Alps. And he's gonna, and she keeps saying, it's a waste of money. Why don't you give him what's tucker? So I can go either way. But you have a situation where you have to first have a reality check. The fact that a lot of people are doing it doesn't mean it's not a waste of money. Um, it's really a life about managing expectations in the first place. If you have not managed expectations for a while, you're not going to be able to put your foot down on a dime. I say that as the expression, not on a dime as in a dime, although that's what we're talking about. So you can't, that's not fair to the family, that's the Peleus is saying. If, if you're leading a certain lifestyle, you can't just switch overnight and say, okay, it's Hanukkah, we're not going anywhere. So if you haven't gone anywhere before, and we're talking about going to uh, Masiba by the family if you figured out when to do Adlaka. I got home last night, I don't know what time, quarter to 12. I had like nine messages just in the last couple of hours. Every single Shaila, I'm glad they're asking, is what do I do with Adlaka? We have a Masiba. I complain about this every year. I remind everybody the Masiba is a Dvarishus and the Adlaka is the main mitzvah. But with that, I'm very practical and I'm the Shalom Bayas and there's expectations and the expectations haven't been managed and it's not that costly to drive to the five towns or Lakewood or Passaic, wherever you're going for the thing. It's just a halakhic issue. What do you do with the halakha when you're coming home seven hours later? But there is an expectation that many families are going somewhere. And the ones who are Ashrei Yeshua and they're coming to you, Gavaldik, let them ask their Shaila over there. Now they're coming to Muncie. But point is that the expectations are there at some level, and Pellier says you can't just pull the carpet up under them and say, that's it, and it's not about pumpernickel bread today. Your kids probably don't even know what pumpernickel bread is. I don't even know if I've ever had it. But it's black bread, maybe it's healthier, but it doesn't taste very good. But Zemashiyesh, well, that was what it was then, perhaps. And you have to know what they can handle, and you should be diverting as much money as you can. Every dime counts for Inyani Ruchnius, but you have to know where you're going to get away with that, and you can't make their life so difficult that they're not going to be happy and well adjusted. And you've got to figure out what that is. And that's what he says in the next line. He says, of course, you shouldn't be overspending and raising the level of what they should be expecting in their gashmias because that's the law of diminishing returns and you won't have enough for your ruchnias. And all these frivolous things. At a certain level, you've got to know where they're holding. So we're not blaming it on the wife and kids. It's your expectations and your gashmias. 
Um, what level you at now? The purpose in life is to try to lower those expectations and try to free up enough money for spiritual pursuits. But you got to do that carefully, slowly, and with the proper hadrachim. Okay. Hanukkah.